welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, good morning, Mark. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Welcome to Conversations About Life. Thank you, Will. It's really kind of you to have me here. So we went to school together, and I, I guess it's been... I was just thinking about this this morning, about 35 years since I've seen you, and I'm sure a lot has happened since then. It seems like a lifetime of things have happened. Sometimes I look back on that moment in time, and it seems like it was yesterday, and sometimes it's like, oh my God, so much has happened since then. <laughs> yeah. I notice you on Facebook sometimes. And it seems like you're into a lot of different things that's interesting. I kind of see you as like an artisan, I suppose. It seems like lately you're making bags, leather bags. Is that right? Yeah, that um, kind of happened by accident. Um, years ago, I was looking for an idea for a Halloween costume. And um, I decided that a plague doctor was was appropriate. That's what I wanted to try. I'd never done that before. And I went shopping around for masks, and everybody wanted hundreds of dollars for them. And I just had an epiphany moment, and I'm like, I can probably make one of these things. So I went shopping around for a pattern, and I found one. And I, I just kind of discovered the joy in doing that work. It's, it's a lot of quiet time. It's a lot of alone time. Um, so many things go through your mind. Um, and then I, as my skills got better, I moved on to larger projects. And just recently, I finally started working on my own designs and figuring those out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's, uh, it's really rewarding. Alone time. So are you an introvert then? Do you enjoy time by yourself? I do. I do. Um, I've found kind of a different place uh, probably 12 or 13 years ago. Um, and I discovered the, the beauty of solitude. Um, started looking at things like Buddhism, um, understanding who I was, and trying to let go of some of the things that I had been conditioned to believe. Um, I had it's it's not a it's not a smooth road when you're on that journey. I think there was just a lot of information that I took because I was told to. And as I got older and started questioning things, I found that I wasn't necessarily aligned with that, and I set out to find something that felt right. And that was all a really, a really up and down journey. Hmm. Um, and where I've landed with it is a place of peace with myself. And so, yes, the long answer is I do enjoy that time alone. What kind of things are you referring to when you, you mention things you were conditioned to believe? I think that parents have a tough job. Parenting is not an easy job. And uh, being a product of 
our childhood and our time when you and I were young, um, my parents were equipped with the tools that they had, and that was a a belief, a faith, um, and it's a structure for young people. And I think parents use that as a structure to kind of help kids tell right from wrong, good from bad, um, things that help us, things that are hurtful to us. Um, and what I started having problems with, or a disconnect with, rather, is probably the more important or the more correct word. Um, as I watched my dad approach end of life, this was, well, he was sick for a while. This was 1994. Um, and I had a, a really hard time reconciling what he was going through and comparing that to what I had been taught. And there were some things that weren't lining up. Um, and what you were, what are you referring to? Like what you've been taught? Um, it seemed like I was taught to believe that followers were taken care of and followers were treated with love and compassion and at the time I was 27 and where I am in life right now has helped me understand that I took a long time to kind of mature into my own thinking but followers of what? Uh, but my father was brought up uh, in a Catholic household. Uh, okay. He's a product of, um, forgive me, yeah, for my <laughs> being <laughs> obtuse. It's okay. um, my father was brought up in a Catholic household. Um, I was brought up in a Catholic household. My um, mother was not really connected to that. Um, this was this was Dad's ship to sail, and it was his way of bringing his life experience to my sister and I, and to help us find our way. Um, so, uh, my father was very faithful. Um, once he retired, after he got sick, uh, and his company closed, he had to retire at 60. Um, and he had a lot of, he didn't die until he was 71. So he had 11 years, uh, at home. He was a part-time grandparent with my mom, uh, for my sister's children. Um, and dad had always been unquestionably faithful. Uh, unquestionably following the rules and um, just unfailingly devoting his time and his Sundays and his Wednesdays to his faith. Um, and that was important to Dad. And I never derided him for that. I never took that away from him. That was that was his thing. And then when I tried to reconcile what he went through at end of life, I couldn't line his devotion up with the circumstances that he was presented with and going through. So what would you have expected at the end of his life based on what he was believing and how you, how would you have thought things should have gone if everything lined up with him being a follower and uh, things that were assumed or taught and so forth that went along with it? I, th I think in my ignorance, what I at my ignorance at the time, I I couldn't reconcile 
someone who had devoted their life to a faith going through the pain mm. that I watched him endure mm -hmm. for an extended period of time. Mm. And um, if I just have to say it honestly, what my mindset at the time was what loving God would put one of his followers through such pain. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a really hard time with that, Will, for a long time. Um, I couldn't reconcile that in my relative immaturity at the time. I got angry about it. <laughs> and it was just hard for me to use the tools that he had given my sister and I to continue using them. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it, I, I needed something else because I felt unsettled. And I didn't actively go pursuing something. Um, I think that some life experience kind of passed by. I got married for the first time um, about a year and a half after my dad passed away. Um, and it found me. I started reading some things um, and looking at things differently, which is really hard to do when you're conditioned in a certain way. Um, to completely divorce yourself from what you think you know and find something new and to see if you can accept it or to see if it works for you. And my best friend from undergraduate school lives in New Mexico and I needed to get away one time. I don't remember when it was, 19... Oh my God, it was 2000 and... Early 2000s. Uh, and Dave and I connected, and he and I had a long conversation about a lot of the similar things that you and I are talking about. And he presented me with a book, and I knew I was going to be down there for a few days. I'm not a recreational reader. <laughs> I, I, read, I read things that interest me. I read to learn things. If there's something I don't know, I find a resource and I devour it. Um, and I read that short book in three days. I couldn't leave my room um, because turning the page always revealed something else that I hadn't considered before. And when I started learning about the power that I had as an individual, that shifted a lot of things. So what was the book? Uh, the book was called uh, Buddhism Plain and Simple. Uh, Ken Hagen, I believe is the author. He also wrote a book called uh, Buddhism is Not What You Think. And I thought that was a beautiful play on words. Um, and I started to understand that I was in control of my happiness, that I was in control of my actions, that I was responsible for my actions, and that external things only affected me and my demeanor as much as I allowed them to. So it's not necessarily about being a control freak. It's about understanding that your mind can take you places that aren't necessarily true. And you know, the 
the phrase seeing is believing gets used an awful lot. I do think there's a lot of truth in it that seeing things and knowing by seeing help me understand my place in the universe. Um, knowing things by seeing help, has helped you to understand your place in the universe. So you're talking about like experiencing something, understanding something, seeing something, and then seeing how you fit into it. How would you put like the philosophy of Buddhism in a nutshell or just like a, you know, summarizing it? How would you put that? We are our own light and we all have it. I, if I can step back for just a second, seeing things and knowing things, um, one of the more powerful things I took away from that book came in the form of a couple of short stories. Short stories, things that I can recall real quickly and they won't take long to explain. Sure. Uh, the story of a Buddhist monk uh, taking a walk after a rain. Um, it's nighttime and he steps on something soft and squishy and he fears that whatever is underneath his foot is dead he goes back to his bed and can't sleep because of what he feels or believes he's done he retraces his steps the next day in the daylight and finds out that he stepped on a rotten banana it's the place that he allowed his mind to take him that caused him all of the unease and the suffering. And it wasn't until he went back and saw what he'd done that he understood and knew what had happened. And that then became a, a mechanism for releasing his suffering. That story and the story of the, of the, the farmer the farmer who had beautiful horses on his farm and um, his neighbors came over to tell him how beautiful his horses were and he said perhaps and one day his son was riding one of the horses and he fell off and broke his arm and his neighbors came over and said oh my gosh we're so terribly sorry that your son broke his arm it's such a bad thing and he said perhaps and the following day, the Chinese army came by to draft his son to war. And his son had the broken arm. And his neighbors came back again and said, what great news. They couldn't take your son. And he said, perhaps. It's the absence of judgment. And understanding that things just are. That's my take in a nutshell. Things just are situations just are and we find that situations aren't harmful or damaging but it's our reactions to those situations that can be damaging well it those are two really interesting stories the first one reminds me a little bit of a quote <clears throat> that you have on your facebook that I, I wrote down. I didn't write it down word for word, so I, I'm just going to paraphrase it. But uh -oh. something I'm along, being held accountable. <laughs> <laughs> something along the lines, like if you understand something, you know, things are just as they are. 
and like, or if you don't understand, things are just as they are. So it's kind of like that stepping on the banana story. Uh, how he perceived it didn't say what the reality of the thing was. That that was uh, kind of an interesting quote to me, kind of comforting, because there is like something beyond, there is like a objective truth. And we are all at different places in how we perceive that and how we understand it. But there is something to seek out, to gain, and it makes a difference uh, to how close we are, you know, to it and so forth, because there's something real there. And, and, and that story kind of goes along with it, I suppose. But there, there is something objective and solid, you know, uh, there is some kind of a reality, and it's just a matter of understanding it. And it's not like, I kind of, the way I kind of think of it is, I think of us as creatures, and I think it makes sense that we're, we're somewhat boxed in when it comes to, like, understanding the mysteries of life, because it it makes sense that we are cr- created in a particular way to live in a particular way, and our understanding can only go like so far perhaps like I have a cat and the cat um, can't understand what it's like to be a man but the cat can understand everything it needs to understand to be a good cat and to have a full and functioning life and everything a cat should be and I can't understand like everything I might have a curiosity about like the mysteries of the universe and so forth but I can understand everything I need to to be a fully functioning human being and to live out that even in the unknown, so to speak. So there's limits to, I think there's limits to what we can actually gain on our own selves when it comes to like understanding, you know, is it a banana or is it not or just whatever, you know. But um, there is something real there. But anyway, I'm just kind of rambling on. Do you have any thoughts? No, no, that's okay. It's uh, I, I heard what stuck out what you in what you just said was the cat understanding what it is to be a good cat. Mm-hmm. And as I'm listening to that, I'm thinking the cat's just being a cat. Mm-hmm. The cat was born. The cat has a life. And the cat will move on from this world, just like we all will. He's just being a cat. It's our desire or our it's it's our wanting that situation to be a certain way. And I think that's probably the biggest, greatest source of our suffering as humans and trying to figure out this thing called life wanting things to be other than they are. So there is a degree of acceptance. As I'm laying all this on, you're, you're, you're seeing the mountain that I was climbing after my dad died. It's just like, well, oh my God, this is related to that. And, and what about this? And what about that? And when you turn your brain off and just accept that things are, 
Your, fr- your suffering goes away, your frustration goes away, your sadness goes away, your anger goes away. And you're just a breathing being here for now. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this, this rock that we're all sitting on, just a big bus stop. We're just hanging out here. <laughs> a bus stop, does that imply a journey to something beyond the, the bus stop? I'm a big believer in energy, and I think that certain energies have come together to manifest the person you're staring at in this physical form. And in 30 years or so, this form will go away, and somehow, some way, it'll all come together again, somewhere, somehow, in some form. And I do believe that. I believe that we were all here before. I think we'll all be here again. And as far as energy, energies just exchange and transform and are just constantly turning into other things. So it's, I don't see myself as a final form of myself. This is just the form I'm in now. I can make sense of that somewhat in that energy. I think it's even the scientific law that, you know, energy uh, doesn't, it's like a closed system, I think. But what, when it comes to consciousness, like, like what do you think about that? Like the consciousness, according to that like scientific principle of energy just changes forms, um, it doesn't increase or decrease. But consciousness is a strange thing. You d- what are your thoughts about your consciousness as far as who Mark is? Like you were referring to just being a different form, but is that still Mark? Um, That's a really good question. That is a really good question. Um, how do I feel about consciousness? We have this kind of unique ability, don't we, as humans? Of all the living things on this planet, we have this brain that behaves like no other brain, no other animal brain. We have a conscience. We have thoughts. We have ego. We have all of these things that, all of this noise that we have to kind of navigate sift through this stuff, find out what's for us and what needs to be set aside for now and what isn't serving us at all. Um, yeah, consciousness is a, is a tough one, isn't it? Um, being here, being now. Living in conscious thought. That's a really good You've sent me home with some homework. That's you know, of all the things I think about consciousness. Yes. What about it? <laughs> what brought you to this journey of, you know, toward the book and Buddhism and all of that is something that sometimes people refer to as the problem of pain, like if people are dealing with it, you know, a philosopher or something. That's kind of how it's referred to, and it is like something it's a problem it's something to figure out how can god if god is all powerful 
then how can he allow suffering to exist? Or if he can't do anything about it, um, I mean, it, how can he be good if and let suffering exist? Or is he not all-powerful and is that, you know, so he, he, it's almost like he can't be all good and all-powerful and there be suffering to exist. So that's like, I guess, the formula. I don't know if I'm putting it real well, but like the things that have to be dealt with that people, you know, throughout the centuries have like struggled with because it is something to struggle with. And, and many people have, it seems like their journeys have led them uh, where they've gone because of personal experience. For I don't know if you're familiar with Bert, uh, Bart Ehrman, but no. he's a New Testament scholar, but he's not a believer. Um, but it was this, the problem of pain in his own life, um, someone's death. It may have been apparent. I, f- I don't remember for sure. But a lot of times there is a personal struggle, life experience that sends us, you know, where we we go to. And it's not all just... Um, reasoning through things and all this all just works out and this is what I believe it's it's a lot of times things that we go through and a a journey that we're on that takes us places you know yeah and I I think there's there's something to uh, the idea of if we can revisit this this idea of of all powerful and good Mm -hmm. um, why does the bad exist um we can reframe that and consider the idea of balance and we can look at that and say if it's all good can't that be viewed as just as unbalanced as everything being all bad good and bad are judgments they're Mm -hmm. judgments we use to label situations based on our humanity our experience um, so you mean like all good could be, um, have you read Brave New World? I have not. Okay. And you're not the first person to suggest it to me. So I probably, probably better get that. On the list. <laughs> it's kind of like an utopia, but, um, but it, it, it is a question, would all good be satisfying? Um, so anyway, yeah, if, if everything's all good all the time, where is the euphoria? Where is the where's the human feel good quality, you know, that sets the endorphins off and goes, oh, my God, this is I'm having such a fantastic experience right now. How would you know? Right. If everything's all good all the time. Right. Um, so if if we bring the idea of balance into the conversation, you know, gravity holds the planets in place. Balance keeps us walking in a straight line physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, And I think our compassion can be a powerful tool for helping others who are struggling to find balance. I think compassion and empathy are the two most powerful tools we have as humans to help one another. Compassion and empathy. Empathy. (laughs) Feeling what the other person is feeling Absolutely. And caring. In other words, that's similar to love, I suppose. Absolutely. Unquestionably. Um, 
is uh, Buddhism a theistic concept, a philosophy? Does it involve a god, or is it more of not a god who is outside of creation, but more of, you know, is it something else like creation itself being taking the place of God, or, or what? How is it in Buddhism? Uh, where I've landed with it is it's inside, and all of us have that quality inside. If God is everywhere, then God is inside of us, and. I am a Buddha, meaning an enlightened one. I become less reliant on external ideas. If I find my own peace, if I understand balance and love and compassion and kindness, I have the tools I need to function. I have the tools I need to help others. I have the tools that I need for understanding my place. And my place is here and now. It's always here and now. You know, this moment is very different from the moment when you and I first sat down. A lot has happened. You and I have aged a few more minutes. Everything has. Everything has transformed just a little bit more. If I stay here and now, I don't have to worry about when my time here will be over. I just live here and now. I make plans for the future, I prepare for the future, but I always return to here and now. What are you wanting in life? Like if you're on a journey, where are you going? What are, you know, what's your, what do you desire the most in life? Through some of my creative endeavors, I've discovered that I have a very active curiosity. And if I latch on to something, it's over. I mean, it's pretty much over. I will, I will get completely, completely lost mm-hmm. in it. And I want to learn all I can about the things that interest me while I'm here. I want to do for as long as I can do because someday I might not be able to. So I stay busy with my hands. I create. um, And I want to continue doing that for as long as I can. That's what I want. Yeah. I can uh, identify with uh, just the the goodness of doing interesting work um, a lot of so there are some part of the Christian faith mm-hmm. and there are similarities and that is one of them that God created us to work um, there's Ecclesiastes which is kind of a it's a wisdom book that has the refrain um, vanity of everything is vain. Have you ever read Ecclesiastes? I've not. I will confess 
to you here on this podcast that I am not a Christian scholar, um, that I was um, introduced to the Christian faith through Catholicism um, outside of weekly church and a few readings that my dad gave me. I have never read the good book. Okay. Yeah. um, But... Where I was going was, uh, even in Ecclesiastes, it commends the doing, the work, and finding satisfaction in it. So there's a lot of similarities. There's uh, similarities about, like you're referring to non-judgment, um, there's some similarities in uh, just accepting God's providence um, and being content in a connection with him uh, and and not having to find, uh, I guess, your satisfaction in just the things that are happening in your life, that these things uh, can work together for our good. For And I can think of in my own life the things that have caused me the greatest distress have also caused me the greatest growth. And that's encouraging, you know. Um, the difference, I think, is I can see how, like, kind of more of an Eastern philosophy, um, just I enjoy mindfulness type of stuff, and I can identify with that um, rather than being all caught up in uh, anticipating what's coming or concerned about what's in the past and so forth and just kind of missing out on the present moment and life, and I can uh, relate to that. Christianity has a, fr- a framework of well, of us not of creation not being um, just what it was supposed to be. That it's um, we were cr- as men and women, we were created to be. Uh, something um, more and we fall short of it. So that's the word um, sin is actually uh, an archery term as far as trying to hit the bullseye and falling short. So it's a picture of we are not what we were created to be. And I think we can identify with that, but I think from your perspective, you probably see it a little bit differently than from the Christian perspective. You probably, from just listening to other people, you may not think of it as um, this is a problem that has to be rectified, that has to be solved, but more of just who we are at the time or something along those lines. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a sketchy little landscape there, though, isn't it? How do you observe that situation without putting judgment on it? How do you see that situation for what you believe it is? when you see somebody struggling and you think you have a simple answer and your simple answer isn't everyone's simple answer. You know, I see you struggling. I see you're having a hard time. Know that this is temporary. Please know that this will pass and that you will get better and that you will get past this. I wish, I wish that voice was in my head when my dad died. Hmm. Yeah. But for me, I can think of like times I was have been deceitful and lying, times where I was judgmental of another person, 
um, looking upon them rather than a charitable way, kind of casting them out as far as like how I looked at them mentally and from my heart and just wanting them just to fail and, you know, kind of disregarding them. Like I've been through things like that in my head and I can think of how, uh, well, the word devil, um, it's a proper, used like a proper name, but it means the accuser. And like, that's like being like a devil or, you know, it's, if you're kind of before a, uh, like a judge, which I would think of as, as God, the judge, um, he's accusing like this person uh, has done this, lied, cheated, fornicated, whatever, you know, and it's and doesn't deserve thing, You know, so when I'm looking at another person like that, that's kind of how, I'm being like that person, whereas Jesus is referred to as our advocate, you know, on the other side. Mm. So um, I can... Um, so I can kind of identify with falling short. I wasn't created to be like this, but humanity, you know, we've, we're in it together. You know, our history is one of wars, seeking for power, and you know, and so forth. And then, so the Christian framework is God didn't give up on us. He's in the process, stretching out over centuries, millennium of redeeming, recreating us, and the heart of it goes down to Jesus' death, that that was a sacrifice um, to to take what we deserve and um, allow us mercy to go free. And, and then that is a removal of guilt. We're free, not based on us earning it, but based on it being a gift. Jesus stood in our place, and now he's our advocate um, before the judgment seat of God. You know, he, um, He's there for us. You know, we, he, he took our place, and now we may go free, and we haven't, and that freedom has, it empowers us to live differently. Um, I think when we're really, um, rule-centered, those rules don't help us, really. Um, uh, But freedom, you know, removing that guilt, it makes us feel like a a new person, and then those, that higher plane of life, the spiritual plane, comes more naturally to us. It kind of makes us something new. So anyway, that's, so there's some differences, but I can also see, identify with um, some things I appreciate in um, Eastern philosophy and and Buddhism and things too. Yeah, and I want to be very clear that I don't, um, I'm not trying to cast down any sort of Christian belief or faith. Um, Part of our, part of our human condition, I think is really requiring us to seek these answers. And do we really need to know these answers? We seek them because we can. And I think that I think that the faiths and the religions of the world are important because they allow the different languages and, and cultures of people to connect with or relate to what I think is 
on the whole, more or less a similar story in terms of understanding our place, creation, why we're here, what we do while we're here, uh, good, bad judgment, things like you and I have been talking about. Um, I think it's important because we're all different and we're not all going to connect with that huge thing called existence. You know, we're here. You know, we didn't have any say in the matter. <laughs> we just showed up one day. Um, it is amazing just no matter how you look at it existence is amazing like um, my, I was talking with my daughter the other day and it's she was saying like a man and a woman come together and they create a human being like how <laughs> whether you're a, a secular type of person or uh, religious I mean you can't get away from this is an amazing reality that we live in. <laughs> it's a miracle mm -hmm. that you and I are here. It's a bigger miracle that you and I are here at the same time. The odds of producing another human are almost more astounding than the lottery. So if you think about winning the lottery, you have a better chance of winning the lottery than you have of being born. And if you look at life like that, it is a miracle that we're here. <laughs> like, what what do you mean about the odds of us being born? I don't, I'm not following you. Well, quickly. I'll have to go into the science. I, I, I spent a year in massage therapy school, so I learned things about my body that I never knew before. Of course, I'm not taking very good care of it right now, but <laughs> it's been my lifelong struggle. Um, and I had never taken enough of a biology class ever in my life to understand what my body was made of and how it worked. And when I started understanding uh, the reproductive components and the chances that one particular sperm cell would germinate, the odds are astounding. Because so many don't. Because so many don't. I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that in itself is a miracle. I've never won anything before in my life that was significant, but I'm here. Mm -hmm. And it could have been a lot of different ways. And that's a win for me. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I did win. I did win something. Right. I, I won a chance at this mm -hmm. and to look at everything around me and to have conversations with people like you and mm -hmm. just to enjoy myself. Yeah. Um. Well, what are your routines like? What's a typical day like for you? Um, I am transitioning out of a career for 30 years. As an architect? As an architect. Okay. Uh, I went to college straight from high school and went straight into architecture 31 years ago. Um, that day was getting up, doing the work, coming home. These days, um, I still have a hand in architecture. Uh, I'm working on a house for a friend. Um, I promised I would see her through that. Um, I had a practice for almost 20 years. I closed that a couple of years ago. Um, so I do a little, I wake up in the morning, I shower every day. I get up between six and 6.30 every day because that's what I've always done. I'm much more of a morning person. 
Uh, I do eat something. I go straight to my desk and get some work done on the house, uh, that I'm, the house project that I'm working on. Uh, and then I devote a good part of my day to my handcrafts mm-hmm. uh, and working on leather projects. Um, recreationally, I'll, I'll fit in some time with my camera because I enjoy that too. Um, my wife and I, she's, she's an independent contractor. She works for herself. She's a sign language interpreter. Oh, okay. So her days are never the same uh, based on the needs of that community. She'll be in different places around town or she'll be doing a Zoom call from home. Um, so my day is pretty much as it always has been. The only difference is I'm at home a lot more now. Hmm. <laughs> and we haven't killed one another yet. Mm-hmm. And we haven't gotten on one another's nerves yet, which I think is a beautiful testament to the relationship that we have. Um, we help one another. We don't stay up late. Um, so yeah, at, at present, my 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 day is still filled with a little bit of my professional life that I've known for thirty years. Um, Why are you trans- transitioning out of that? I don't know what else I have to say in that respect. When you come out of architecture school, you have all kinds of grand ideas because you were encouraged over the last five years to express them. And the reality is when you come out of school, you have a lot to learn still. And the opportunities for design and and making yourself a rock star right out of the gate are very limited. And, And the profession is changing a lot. And the role of the architect has changed a lot since I've got out of school. Um, So having worked at a number of firms in town, having had control of a firm for a long time, I've seen a lot. I've been through a lot. Um, And I don't know what else I have to really say or prove in that arena. I want to know what else I can do when I have a little more time because none of us are ever going to get more than 24 hours in any given day. Mm -hmm. So how do I use that time? And while I still have facility and control of my faculties and my hands and my coordination, I've, I've just always been interested in making things. Mm -hmm. So I want to use the rest of my life to see what I can create. Hmm. Okay. And, well, it's kind of neat that you can work that out financially. A lot of people um, would like to make a transition like that, but, you know, there are, they've kind of are in a lifestyle that makes it hard. You know? My lifestyle changes have, have, have shifted a lot. You know, your wants, your desires. When you're young, you're ambitious. You have things to prove. Mm-hmm. You have material things that you want. Um, at this stage of my life, I'm going to be 55 this year. I want to make stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think with anything new, there's a period of adjustment, and I think there's a period of kind of, for lack of a better phrase, ramping up. But I fully intend to turn my leather craft work into something that is a revenue stream. 
Um, I have a little bit of a revenue stream from my photography work. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife still works. Um, so for now, we're okay that way. We'll see if things change. But mm-hmm. for now, things are, are working. And it is um, a blessing. And I recognize it as such mm-hmm. to, to have this chance to do this. Mm-hmm. But at 55... I gotta find something. <laughs> I gotta find something to do for the next ten years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not independently wealthy. I'm not royalty. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have to work. I do have to generate revenue. Mm-hmm. How do you like to connect with people? Is it kind of like uh, just face to face over coffee, or is it like in doing like doing something i asked my son this and it's like for him it's being out on the soccer field with a bunch of people <laughs> or is it being together in groups i know you've st- it seems like you've stayed uh connected with our school class over the years i've seen you in pictures and so forth do you enjoy that type of thing or um how do you like to be relational and connect with people knowingly or unknowingly uh, when you contacted me a while back to do this, you have set up the ideal situation for me. Okay. Here we are in a beautiful, natural setting, face-to-face. Mm-hmm. This is the way I like... Over coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way I love to connect with people. Conversation, yeah. coffee. You know, I quit drinking booze a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Had some health issues uh, that were connected to um, my digestive system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as much as I tried to hold on to something... <laughs> My doctor said, you know, it's just really not good for you anyway. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're making changes, why don't you just... So I haven't had any... I haven't had a sip of alcohol since my wedding day, which was about 10 years ago. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is... I, I love connecting with people one-on-one. I'm not a group person. Okay. Uh, I will connect with a group of familiar people once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm thrown into a room where I don't know many people, I will... I will find the wall. I will find the corner. Mm-hmm. I will find the one or two people I know, and I'll monopolize their time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Are you still into music? I am. You know, I have not picked up my guitar in a criminally long time. Hmm. Um, it is one of the things that I'm being encouraged by um, my good friend and spiritual mentor. He's like, you know, it wouldn't kill you to pick that guitar up once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, I know, and I just, I just haven't. Mm-hmm. There's no explanation for it. I just haven't done it. <laughs> yeah. And I had a beautiful one made for me by one of our classmates, and I still haven't picked that thing up in a couple of years. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I, I may have took pictures of that guitar. You did take pictures <laughs> yeah. of that guitar. You took beautiful pictures of that guitar. Thanks. And I still have it. Yeah. Um, how do you like? To- to take in information at this point like do you read books do you listen to podcasts do you watch youtube or like how do you input ideas and stuff i'm not sure i understand the question completely okay like how do you like to um take in other people's ideas and uh for example you know some people are always into a book and reading a book. Some people, I, I like, listen to podcasts quite a bit and different pe- people. Some people are big on YouTube, but um, 
how do you just intake? What kind of media do you prefer? And what kind of stuff do you like to take in? Movies or? Uh, okay, I, under, I think I understand now. Okay. It, 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 it depends on what I'm seeking. Okay. If I'm looking for information, mm-hmm. I, will, I will go to the web and I will start reading websites. I may connect with a podcast or two to find out if there's any information there. If I'm learning how to do something, I'm very visual. And okay. I go straight to YouTube. Is there a tutorial? How has someone else done this? Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes message message boards are helpful. Sometimes you spend more time sifting through the junk in a message Mm -hmm. board, looking for the answers you're trying to find. Um, Maybe the young people are better at it than I am, but sometimes I find myself struggling with how to ask the right question, to phrase it correctly. How how do I type this into a search bar and get what I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. And not a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. So it, it depends. It depends on what I'm looking for. And if I, if I know someone who, I won't call them a keeper of that knowledge, but as someone who has the knowledge, that's my first choice. Okay. Person, one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Talk to me. Show me. I see. Yeah. Cool. Um, well... I don't know. Is there anything else that um, you'd like to bring up for discussion or conversation or anything along those lines? I wasn't really sure what to expect today, so I I am probably not fully prepared in that capacity. But um, I think that our discussions about our early discussion about faith has 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 opened some doors that haven't been open in a while caused me to think about some things um, and to understand a little more about what, what it is we have here and what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't know that I had anything specific and I'm sorry if that falls short. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no. no normally we're, we're coming into this um, without much... It's just a conversation. So I just was just wondering if anything on your mind, anything you've been um, turning over in your head lately that um, you you know or just anything that you'd like to talk about before we wrap up but. things have gotten seemingly more tumultuous for us as a race mm-hmm. as a human race and I wake up every morning and hope and every night at the evening meal blessing we pray that the world just pauses it doesn't seem as though we're as willing to help one another and that makes me sad Hmm. I struggle with that Um, because there's an irrational part in my brain that just wants to go around beating people over their head and say, can't you understand the good that you could do if you just tried? (laughs) But you can't do that. Um, All I can do is connect with people through experience and share my experience when it's appropriate. I can't force people to do something they're not comfortable doing. I can't ask them if they're not comfortable doing I can't make them do anything other than be who they are and we've come full circle 
to acceptance. Accepting people is as they are is is a is a big task. Um, it forces you to deal with your own values and how you see the world. And if you're really thinking about it, it forces you to think about how you feel about how you see the world. This is how I see the world. Is that something I'm comfortable with? And if it's not, why am I telling someone to act differently? Hmm. So we're all works in progress, right? I think if we're conscious, we're working on ourselves every day. I try to do that. And I try not to hurt anybody along the way. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. (laughs) Well, thanks, Smart. Well, this has been a joy uh, and a pleasure, and I really appreciate you reaching out to me. Thank you so much. You're welcome.